Welcome to Asking for a Friend with me, your host, Katrina Buffard. I'm a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, and sexuality researcher. And this podcast covers any and every topic relating to sex, intimacy, or relationships that you might feel a little too embarrassed to ask about. This season of Asking for a Friend is sponsored by Desire, South Africa's leading sexual health and wellness store. For a lovely little discount, stay tuned until the end of this episode. I don't know how this happened. Season three is now done and dusted, and it's actually already been a whole year since I launched this podcast. You know, since I've launched, I've spoken to 33 incredible and knowledgeable guests, and this season, I think, has been one of the best yet. It started off with one of my favorite guests thus far, and also had me needing to compose myself as I was fangirling very hard. It was none other than the inimitable Emily Nagoski. Emily and I had the most enlightening conversation about everything from why context matters the most for your sex life to how stress impacts our brains, bodies, and experiences of sex. I then chatted to Carly Rowena, someone I followed in a personal capacity for many years and who is the role model we all need as parents in order to raise sex-positive kids. She shared with me about how she's choosing to raise her daughter And I explained to her just how positive this actually was. The episode after this, I got an education from a dear colleague and someone I look up to in the field on the topic of sexual compulsivity. Silva Neves, who is the author of Compulsive Sexual Behaviors, a Psychosexual Treatment Guide for Clinicians, told me why we need to move away from the idea of sex addiction to an understanding of this behavior as compulsivity. After this, an episode that left me shook. I had spoken to Serv Ngesi about fighting period poverty in South Africa and about his work as co-founder of the Menstruation Foundation. This conversation genuinely changed my behavior and brought my attention just to how dire the situation is for women in my country and around the world. Next up, I spoke to a dear colleague in London, Armani Zarug, who is a highly experienced couples therapist and who explored with me some very common relationship patterns we need to recognize and take ownership of in order to have healthy, happy relationships. Then we were already halfway through the season and my guest mid-season was Claire Bourne, a hugely respected and experienced women's health physio who joined me from London for one of the most common questions, to talk about one of the most common questions that I get asked. How can I prepare for and navigate sex postpartum? Claire's episode has actually been one of the most popular of the season and I think that there's very good reason for that. Then I got to explore another stage of a woman's life, the menopause, with Professor Trudy Smith. This was a really informative and interesting episode that anyone who has ovaries should listen to. And then next was an episode all about attachment styles. If you've spoken to me about relationships before, you will know that I am an attachment nerd and believe that one, this is kind of one psychological theory that we will never stop referring to as therapists. And to help me explore this topic, I spoke to the US-based therapist and author Stanley Tatkin. 
Then for the ninth episode of the season, I chatted to Dr. Laurie Brotto, who is someone I have admired and whose work I greatly respect. She really is, in my opinion, I think in most people's opinion, the world's leading expert on the topic of how mindfulness can improve one's sex life. If you need proof as to how this very free skill can change your sex life for good, check out that episode. And then the penultimate episode of the season, uh, well, the penultimate guest episode of the season, was one that I actually recorded a very long time ago and have been needing to put out there. Um, and that was with my very dear friend and mentor, Dr. Elna Rudolph. You, if you follow me on social media, if you've spoken to me before, you will know that she is a very important person in my life. My biggest passion is helping people overcome sexual pain, but far too often we hear stories of healthcare providers traumatizing people further in examinations or appointments. This episode is there to empower you if you want to start your journey to overcome sexual pain so that you know what to expect and what should and shouldn't happen when you go and see a medical professional for an assessment. And then in the final episode with a guest of the season, my guest was none other than Peggy Kleinplatz, a hugely respected therapist researcher who's conducted groundbreaking work on what it takes to have extraordinary sex. This was such an enlightening conversation and what a way to end off my guests for season three. So as you know, if you've been here for a while, I do a Q&A episode at the end of every season. And so let me dive into the questions I've received over the course of the season. I've, I've picked out just a couple or a few. All of these questions have come to me via Instagram. And if you have a question you'd like to ask for a friend, you can, of course, drop me a DM on Instagram at any time or send me an email. And I'll try to answer it in perhaps the final episode of season four. So the very first question. The question was about the effects of contraception on libido and other side effects like depression. So this is a pretty broad topic and so I think that there's going to be a pretty long answer but um, I want to be as comprehensive as possible. So any form of hormonal contraception can have side effects like any medication we can take. But the side effects can differ from one form of contraceptive to another or from one person to another. So as an example, I got terrible headaches and had a very low libido when I was using the pill, but I, I'm the first person to advocate for the Mirena as I did not get any side effects and I absolutely loved it as a form of contraception. However, many women don't like the Mirena. This is an IUD or an interuterine device uh, because they felt crazy within it, you know, with it in or moody or sensitive or anxious. And then other women swear by the pill when I think that this is the last option I would recommend to my clients. And this isn't because of my own personal experience, but, but because of how it can impact one's sexual response. If you listen to episode 10 of the season with Dr. Elna Rudolph, you would also have heard her say that in her opinion and within her practice, the pill is the single biggest cause of sexual pain in those with a vagina. And in my practice, I've seen this time and time again too, and preferred that if a person is experiencing sexual pain, that they are either off the pill or using another form of contraception if need be. The most common side effects of hormonal contraception are headaches, lowered libido, and depression. So when it comes to libido, yes, contraception can have an impact. And this is because the way it is working in our bodies. 
within our bodies, the, the, the hormones and the way that this is interacting between the brain and the body is going to unfortunately affect the natural testosterone that is occurring. And testosterone is one of the hormones that will lead to us feeling like sex. Then let's talk about depression and contraception. So in young women, studies have shown that there is a correlation between depression and hormonal contraceptives. But this is particularly high among adolescents rather than women who have, have gone into young adulthood. While most studies have focused on women between the ages of 15 to 34, women older than that are kind of, you know, they're still using contraceptives. And I think we still need to do a lot of research on this because a lot of the studies have been inconclusive. There was one study done in 2016 where they, they interviewed and spoke to 1,800 women, uh, and it was found that 24% of the women in that, in that study uh, experienced a decrease, in, a decrease in libido. The, the form of contraceptive that is the most problematic is the injection, and this has also come up as being the worst for side effects. With contraceptives like the ring, uh, the NuvaRing, the patch, and the injection, these all have a higher risk of causing blood clots and then next the pill. But just to say about, about the injection, I would advise women, particularly in Africa, and, and, and you'll understand why I say that in a second, I would advise most women, if, if not all women, to stay away from um, Depo-Provera, which is the, the injectable contraceptive method, um, because it has been found to increase one's risk for contracting HIV by up to 3.4 times. It's really shocking. So on to the second question. What is the difference between intimacy and sex? My girlfriend says she wants me to be more intimate, but aren't we doing that when we have sex? So this question came from I think a man, obviously, uh, looked like a man. Um, and this is a great question, and I actually discuss this quite often with my clients, especially heterosexual couples. So let me break it down like this. There are many ways for partners to be intimate. You can be intimate through a meaningful conversation or laughing together. You can be intimate while cooking or eating a meal together. You can share intimacy by complimenting one another or buying your partner something thoughtful. You can be physically intimate through affection and small touches here and there. Intimacy is physical, sexual, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and even social. And sex is just one form of intimacy. Partners can be intimate with each other in many ways, you know, many different ways. And it's actually really important for relationships that there is an intimacy outside of sex. If sexual intimacy is the only form of intimacy in a relationship, it's like trying to bake a cake without turning the oven on and waiting for it to reach the desired temperature. The cake is, you know, it's either just going to stay as it is or it's going to cook unevenly and be a total flop. And sexual arousal is actually mostly dependent on other intimacy that takes place between partners outside of the bedroom and sexual intimacy. So the more energy and effort you put into connecting with your partner when sex isn't happening or wanted, the more you will both likely be open and willing to have sex and be sexually intimate. 
It's also really important for many people to have intimacy outside of sex, as there are many people who feel closer to their partners in ways that are not just physical. This is really important, I think. So for example, one partner may feel closeness and intimacy with their partner when their partner shows, say, authentic interest in a project that they're working on, as an example. But then another person may experience intimate moments when they see their partner looking after their children. And someone else might feel closest and most intimate when they are kissing their partner rather than when they're having sex. So for the guy who asked me this question, I want to encourage you to speak to your partner about this and do it with curiosity. So ask your partner in what ways and behaviors do they feel intimacy in the relationship? The chances are it's different to how you experience it. Now, once you know what intimacy looks like for each of you, you can both put an effort to increasing intimacy across different areas of the relationship rather than intimacy only happening when you engage in sex. Okay, uh, the third question. Lockdown has been tough on me mentally and our sex life especially. We have both been working at home since March 2020, seeing each other in pajamas most days, not making much effort like we used to. Oh, do I relate to this one? How do we recreate the intimacy of being together while we are always around each other and together? Hmm, well, I know that a lot of people are going to want to know the answer to this question. And I thought long and hard about the best way to, to answer this question, and I hope that this is going to be useful to a lot of people listening. So I love this question because it's it's a little different to the questions I've been asked so much over the last 19 months. People have asked me nonstop, like, what can we do to keep things exciting while we're locked down at home? But this question is speaking about recreating the intimacy of being together. So for me, I love this because it's 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 not just speaking to the excitement and the fun, but also to the connection and the intimacy. So one thing for sure is that there is no human unscathed emotionally by this pandemic by now. Everyone has been affected in some way. And what I'm hearing from couples is that this has been, in general, the hardest season of their relationships thus far. You know, I was I was listening to a really brilliant podcast um, where Brene Brown on her podcast, Unlocking Us, interviews Esther Perel. I mean, hello, this is like, God duo for me. Um, and even Brene Brown was saying to Esther that this has been the hardest time in her 35-year marriage that, that her and her husband have ever experienced. So so speaking of Esther Perel, I want to talk a little bit about something sh I learned from her when I heard her speak in South Africa in 2019. It resonated beautifully with me, um, personally and professionally. And I, I use the idea in my work with couples and even in corporates all the time. In relationships, we go through stages, um, cyclical stages, right? We go through connection, disconnection, and reconnection. It, it's a cycle. So we might be in the stage of connection for a really long time, and then a global pandemic hits, and we are moved into disconnection because pandemic. Um, but now we need to reconnect in order to move back into that connection stage. And how do we do that? How do we create closeness when we are already physically close with one, one another all the time? 
Well, I believe that closeness and separation are crucial for the health of any relationship and especially for fostering intimacy between partners. We need to be able to both miss our partner and long for them when we're not together and look forward to spending time, quality time with them. So I think that the most important thing here is actually about intentionality. We need to make a real effort, you know, we need to plan for and be intentional with the ways we reconnect. I, I know we all want things or you all want things. I've learned to give this up. A, I gave accepted this a long time ago, but that you all want things like this and sex to be spontaneous and effortless. But honestly, the sooner you accept that they aren't and that they require consistent effort, the sooner you're better off in your relationship. So being in being intentional with how and where you create intimacy, this requires thought, planning, communication and effort. So I actually suggest that you make a list of things that help you feel more connected to one another. Sit down and do this exercise together. You might have different things on your list to your partners and vice versa and there might be some things similarly that you, you agree on in terms of the reconnection. So once you've got this list, what helps us to feel connected again, turn off the TV, put away the phones, please. Like I, I really can't stress this enough. Your relationship and your eyes and your brain will thank you for it. And plan when you're going to do these specific things to reconnect. Actually have an action plan. Obviously, you need to plan things that you can do together. If you've gotten into the habit of eating you know, every meal in front of the TV every night, try and choose one or two evenings a week that you set the table, you sit down for a meal together, maybe you light a candle, you put music on, you talk and you engage with each other more deeply and intimately. You know, plan a recipe that you could cook together, play a board game afterwards, do brunch on your balcony if you have one, you know, taking an everyday activity and being more intentional with how you do it can actually just create an intimate moment for reconnection to take place. So much of our time the past 19 months has been about work and chores and domestic life and more work and then obviously lots of Netflix thrown in. Let's be honest, we've all finished Netflix by now. So you have to really work to create intimate space within your homes, to create intimate time you share and work to ensure that being physically together is also because you want to be, not because you feel like you have to be. And finally, the fourth question. I'm feeling pretty inexperienced and unconfident about sex. I'm newly single. Um, she says, I was with this guy for four years and he's the only person I've slept with. Now I'm dating again, but almost avoiding hooking up, which I would actually like to do. Because I'm worried that they will think, I don't know what I'm doing or something. Any advice would be awesome. Love your podcast, by the way. Well, firstly, thank you. I'm so thrilled you're enjoying the podcast. Honestly, when I hear you're happy, it makes me really happy. So to give you some context, uh, this is a, a listener is a woman, heterosexual woman. And so I'm going to speak here to those who identify as women. So first off. Awesome, awesome, awesome that you want to explore sex. Remember to please always use a condom 
and I sent I sound like this like you know like the sex granny who's like always use a condom um, um but no you do you need to always use a condom and if you need to also be on a contraception I'm not sure if you are then you need to get on it sooner rather than later now something that's crucial to understand is that pleasure is a learnt response and I'm not sure from your message if you're comfortable with and familiar with giving yourself pleasure but if not this is where you need to start so knowing what sort of touch you like makes a big difference to hitting the mark with pleasure when you're with a partner I want to recommend and I can't recommend it highly enough the site OMG yes even if you know your body well check out the site it is well worth it i highly recommend it for anyone who has a vulva and a clitoris so let me assume then that you are familiar with what you like and when you do get it on with somebody then there are two things that are crucial and important that you do number one is that you do not assume he knows how you like to be touched and number two is therefore you have to ask for what you want. I think that the biggest mistake we make is thinking that a new partner will know what we like or that it will be the exactly the same as it was with the previous partner. Now, it might seem daunting to tell him what you like, but trust me, it's short-term discomfort for a far better experience overall. When you're telling somebody what you like, you want to be gentle in how you direct your partners. You know, saying what really turns you on is X or Y. You really like it when they do this or that. I, if they are doing something that doesn't feel good, suggest something else that they could do. I promise you that almost all sexual partners want to see you that you are enjoying yourself. And what is the point of keeping quiet and not having fun? On that point, actually, there is, I need to talk a little bit about enthusiasm and enjoyment. I wouldn't suggest screaming like you see people do in porn, and, unless this comes naturally to you and is a massive turn on, right? Don't, don't do that. Did you know, here's a, here's a really interesting fact for you. Did you know that women make more noise during sex and they find that it can heighten their experience of pleasure? It's an interesting one to contemplate. So if it is natural for you to make noises, go for it. And if it's not, that's okay too. But don't try and muffle your noises or, or your breathing if you're feeling kind of self-conscious about that. Go with whatever naturally happens in your brain and your body and what they want and need in the moment. Then let's talk a little bit about moving and movement. So again, move your your body with your partners in a way that feels natural you know don't try to fake it or put it on rather just kind of try and go with a rhythm because most women prefer rhythmic sex with clitoral stimulation and then finally I would say stop being so hard on yourself you know being good in bed is subjective and you, you really cannot please everybody you know I often talk about food when it comes to sex both of them bring us immense pleasure in life but not everybody is into the same food. And so if it doesn't feel right with a partner, like, don't sweat it. It's not going to be right with every single person. Sexual chemistry is either there or it isn't. And the, but the more, I guess the thing I would say I want you, want you to focus on is the more you tell yourself 
that extraordinary sex has nothing to do with positions, noises, toys, how your body looks and so on. Please take a listen to the previous episode I've done on this to find out what extraordinary sex does look like. The better your sexual experience is going to be. So just like that, season three is done. You know, since I launched this podcast, I have released 36 episodes and I have loved every minute of it. This is a passion project for me. And when I started it a year ago, I didn't think I'd be getting the incredible feedback I've been getting from you all. So thank you. Please keep it coming in. It keeps me motivated to go. Uh, and do further further seasons. Season four of the podcast is going to be back in early 2022 and I've got some incredible guests talking to me about everything from the science of sexual desire to birth trauma from trans health care to kink. If you are loving this podcast it would mean the world to me if you could write a little review for it on either Apple or Google Podcasts. The more people that do this, the wider the reach the podcast has, and the more people can engage with topics we really need to speak more about. And I just want to give a final little thanks to my epic producer, Ben, who has been by my side since day one, and to the season sponsors, who are Desire, who continue to impress me as a sexual health and wellness brand in the South African market. So until next year, have lots of extraordinary sex and take care. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to this podcast and continue learning about some incredible and fascinating topics that we need to know more and talk more about. You can subscribe and follow this podcast on your favorite platform. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you would rate and review it. This episode was sponsored by Desir. Desir believes that sexual health is not just about the latest sex toy, but about using products to improve one's overall sexual health and well-being. For 15% off, use the code FOR A FRIEND.